Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? We will be doing the case of Tupac Part 1 today. Yahoo! Now, there is a lot on this case. And of course, Biggie will also be the next episode that we do in the exclusive section. So we may talk about Biggie during a few moments with Tupac. And the two of them have actually come to me together to get this story out there. I'm so excited about this one. But before we start talking about the details of this case, I have one question. How was it to interview someone as iconic as Tupac? (laughs) You know what? I took out like my own like uh, fangirl moments and put all of that aside and pretended I was just hanging out with one of the guys. Honestly, it was so good, but it was also so sad. Like he is so smart, smarter than anyone ever gave him credit for. He was way before his time. He was controversial and loud back then. And I love what he was trying to do, but because he was so loud about the issue, his very short life was sacrificed. He shows me he feels like he's still in it. He has people out here who he's been screaming at to make big statements. And he only agreed to make this podcast episode if I give the details exactly as how he has stated it. And I agreed. I would definitely agree with that. I definitely believe that he was well before his time and he's super loud and out there. And that's somebody that we need today in today's age. Absolutely. Uh, But it's still cool. So here's another question. Does he still sound the same? (laughs) He does. He sounds the exact same. He's very passionate. He still makes music up there, but he does it through others. He sends lyrics to others and has taken a bit of credit for others' work as well. Well, that's really cool. Any names? Maybe I'll go into that a little bit more later, but during the parts of this case, you are going to spew off the information as it comes in, and he's already got a lot to say. Sounds good. Tupac was born June 16, 1971. He was a Gemini and born in New York City, New York. Raised by his mother, he relocated to Baltimore in 1984 and to the San Francisco Bay Area in 1988. He loved that he was born in New York City. He also knew he was a Gemini. But it wasn't really cool to talk about in his short adult life. He said he did, however, check out his horoscope a lot when he was a kid and he loved his Gemini sign. He says it still resonates well with him. He was born as Lassane Parrish Crooks and at age one, he was renamed Tupac Amor Shakur. His mother explained the name changed, and I quote, I wanted him to have the name of a revolutionary indigenous people in the world. I wanted him to know he was part of a world culture and not just from a neighborhood. He felt like a bit of a badass with the fact that his mother changed his name. He even says that as he got older, he liked his name. It just felt right. He even came to a point in time where the record label had wanted him to change his name or even suggested to change it to the MC New York. And he said, fuck no, fuck you very quickly to the name, but he went with it anyway. He laughs. At this point in his career, before success took place, he felt like he was in so much more control of his life, and he smiles at these memories. 
He loves his mom so much. He's angry that he spent any time being angry with her at all. And he knows he was a lot like her. He said even the bad parts. He said I got my angry side from my mama. That same year, he began attending the poetry classes of Leela Steinberg, and she soon became his manager. Steinberg organized a concert for Shakur and his rap group Strictly Dope, Steinberg managed to get Shakur signed by Atron Gregory, manager of the rap group Digital Underground, in 1990. Gregory placed him with the underground as a roadie and a backup dancer. He says everything those two years happened so fast. He didn't ever expect things to ever happen, let alone so quickly. He said that if it wasn't for Steinberg pushing him into his career a little sooner than anticipated, that it may have taken a little longer. He said he was dealing with a lot of race issues in school and also around the label as well. His mother used to always make sure whenever something didn't sit right to point it out and don't put up with it. So he called out the race issues that were going on pretty young in his life, and he said with a lot of white people treating him like he was a criminal even before anything happened. He said that he remembers being told to leave students alone, even though nothing bad actually happened, but not just to children, even teachers were uncomfortable around him. He said it enraged him, and one of the biggest things he promised was to put a stop to the bullshit going on in the world. So crazy. In January 1991, Shakur debuted under the stage name Tupac on Digital Underground under a new record label, Interscope Records. On the group's January 1991 single, Same Song, the song was featured on the soundtrack of the 1991 film, Nothing But Trouble. He said that this was when life got the craziest for him. So many things happening and so many things happening in his personal life too. And although things were stressful, he was so happy that his life was changing and wanted to make sure he was taking care of everyone around him as best as he could too, and that included the financial aspect. To say his music was controversial is an understatement. I read that he also had people like the Vice President of the United States, Dan Quayle, there's no reason for a record like this to be released. It has no place in our society. Tupac finding himself misunderstood explained back, I just wanted to rap about things that affected young black males. When I said that, I didn't know that I was going to tie myself down to just take all the blunts and hits for all the young black males to be the media's kicking post for young black males. In any case, Tupacalypse now was certified gold. Half a million copies sold. The album addressed urban black concerns said to remain relevant to the present day. He has a lot to say about all this. He makes a huge statement here saying that the government was scared that black people may get the wrong idea and try to take over and become problematic. He also wanted to point out that this said government at the time had no interest in any colored people to be in a position of power. He said that they also kept on collecting their money and making it harder and harder for black men like himself to have opportunities as the white people have and giving them no chance. He said, and I quote, we were set up for failure from the moment our mamas popped us out. It's okay for this white man to make a statement about me just speaking the truth and he doesn't like hearing it, but I can't clap back though. When anyone goes against the grain, they are always pinned as the bad guy. In 1993, while visiting Los Angeles, the notorious B.I.G. asked a local drug dealer to introduce him to Shakur and they instantly became friends. 
The pair would socialize when Tupac went to New York or Biggie to Los Angeles. During this period, at his own live shows, Tupac would call Biggie onto stage to rap with him and stretch. Together, they recorded the songs Runnin' from The Police and House of Pain. He and Biggie were instant friends for sure. The two of them were so different, but the same. Biggie had some major goals for himself, and he can see that he was on the right path. He said that he remembers breaking bread with Biggie and the passion he had was what drew him in. He said he put his trust in a lot of people back then and some were the wrong ones, but he says Biggie was not. He was a solid connection, a solid brother from another mother, he jokes. He was funny for sure. And he feels kind of bad for throwing him under the bus. Reportedly, Biggie asked Tupac to manage him, whereupon Tupac advised him that Puffy would make him a star. Yet in the meantime, Tupac's lifestyle was comparatively lavish to Biggie, who hadn't established himself yet. Tupac welcomed Biggie to join his side group, Thug Life, but he would instead form his own side group, the Junior Mafia, with his Brooklyn friends, Little C's and Little Kim. Tupac had a falling out with Biggie after he was shot at Quad Studios in 1994. He says once and for all, that was true in the media. But the fallout was more gang-related, but he shows me that there was more paranoia, but they both put that aside, especially in the afterlife. They both laugh about how stupid their shit was. They both say that they were fighting some of the wrong battles, and they both claim that that was one of their bigger mistakes. He misses his old crew. He cannot believe how old he is now. He still comes through as a 25-year-old, by the way. On November 30th, 1994, while in New York recording verses for a mixtape of Ron G, Tupac was reportedly distracted by his beeper. Music manager James Jimmy Henchman Rosemond reportedly offered Tupac $7,000 to stop by Quad Studios in Times Square that night to record a verse for his client's Little Sean. Tupac was unsure but agreed to the session as he needed the cash to offset legal costs. He arrived with Stretch and one and two others. In the lobby, three men robbed and beat him at gunpoint. Tupac resisted and was shot, and Tupac speculated that the shooting had been a setup. This one's a hard one to talk about for him. He shows me he knows the truth now and feels like he wasted a lot of time being worried about the wrong people. He said that the same people who fed him the details of who did it were also the people who set him up. He said that this wasn't the only attempt of his life. There were a few others beforehand and afterwards, but people didn't get to do it because he had a lot of protection. He said that there were a few people who were there after him that didn't like what he was doing with his music and wanted to assassinate him. This robbery was staged and the same people involved in it was also part of the actual murder, but it wasn't the big guys. It was their little pawns. But he says we will get into that later. He just wanted to mention that he was wrong about who was involved and that we will discuss all of that in part two. Against doctor's advice, Tupac checked out of Metropolitan Hospital Center a few hours after surgery and secretly went to the house of the actress Jasmine Guy to recuperate. The next day, Tupac arrived at a Manhattan courthouse bandaged in a wheelchair to receive the jury's verdict for his sexual abuse case. Tupac posted a $25,000 bond and spent the next few weeks being cared for by his mother and a private doctor at Guy's home. 
the fruit of Islam and former members of Black Panther Party stood guard to protect him. He hated hospitals, he said, plain and simple. He had no interest in being there, and even though he was seriously injured and underwent major surgery, he said that he just wanted to go be with his people. He actually regrets that, though. He says he had dealt with some complications after the fact, and he believes if it wasn't for this situation, he would have lived through the one in Vegas. He said he's no doc, but he just trusts his feeling. In a 1995 interview, Tupac accused Sean Combs, Jimmy Henchman, and Biggie, among others, of setting up or being privy to the November 1994 robbery and shooting. The accusations were significant to the East-West Coast rivalry in hip-hop. The accusation was because Sean Combs and Biggie were at Quad Studios at the time and in 1995 months later. This is one of his cringe-worthy emotions. He said, I know this sounds crazy, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Puff, Jimmy, Biggie, and everyone else he pointed a finger at had nothing to do with it. He said that he had a major anger problem and he would lash out when things did not go his way, where he didn't give a shit. He said he would out his own mama if his mama needed to be outed. He did it. Even when he was being advised by the label not to, when he made up his mind, he comes in guns blazing. He said he knew he put that bad energy out into the world. He said that this is when his opinion became less and less. The opinions of who he was taking care of and paying were the ones who had the louder voices and who he was listening to. He did mention he did have a few family members and friends with rational thinking and told him he was wrong, but he didn't listen. And hell, even pinned a little blame on them, too. In March 2008, Chuck Phillips in the Los Angeles Times reported on the 1994 ambush and shooting. The newspaper later retracted the article since it relied partially on FBI documents later discovered they were forged, supplied by a man convicted of fraud in 2011. Convicted murderer Dexter Isaac incarcerated in Brooklyn, issued a confession that he had been one of the gunmen who had robbed and shot Tupac at Jimmy Henchman's order. Phillips then named Isaac as one of his own and retracted articles unnamed sources. This is still garbage. He said that this man was paid off by someone to make this statement, but it wasn't him. This man was too busy raping women and being a hitman on other thugs and bitches but he wasn't one of them. He said that if it was him, he got gypped and got paid nothing. He said this man is only saying this because he's getting some allowances in his current prison sentence. He also got some luxury in his cell. Tupac had friendships with other celebrities, including Mike Tyson, Chuck D, Jim Carrey, and Alanis Morissette. In April 1996, Shakur said that he and Morissette, Snoop Dogg, and Suge Knight we're planning to open a restaurant together. He said, if you notice the list of names, they are all misfits. They all understood each other. And he said with Alanis Morissette, she was worried about him. Not that he was a bad guy or anything like that, more so he wouldn't see her for her true self. And he said he loved her. He thought she was so relatable and he loved all of them. He said he didn't really spend a lot of time with white people, but these were ones that he liked the most. He said that there were a few others he didn't get to meet but wanted to so badly. He was starstruck by Snoop Dogg for sure. Who wouldn't be if I ever met Snoop Dogg? 
That means that I made it. I had seen something about him dating Madonna at one point and that it went on for a year and a half. And then they broke up because she was causing problems for his gangster image. How does he feel about this? He is laughing about this one. He said that with Madonna, she was a wild one and she was smart and he really liked her a lot. But as you said above, a lot of people had an issue with him dating her and her dating him. He said she didn't give a shit and she didn't care what the media thought about her either. But with him, it was much different. He said he got a lot of slack for it and his decision was no longer his. He doesn't regret it though. He said she's still hot though. <laughs> On April 29th, 1995, Tupac married his then girlfriend, Keisha Morris, a pre-law student. Their marriage was annulled 10 months later. She was a good girl. He said she was just a pawn though in his game. A lawyer had been the one who recommended him to marry her and that it would have helped out his legal case that he was currently dealing with at the time and to make him look like he was a committed man. He also wanted to mention he didn't hurt this person. He did, however, piss them off and reject them, and that's why they're coming at him. Plus, they wanted the fame attached to it as well. In 1995, Tupac was married to Keisha Morris, but he met Kadida Jones, legendary record producer Quincy Jones' daughter, at a club shortly before his trial for the rape case. Kadida initially did not speak to Tupac because Tupac had dissed her father for marrying a white woman. Kadida's mother, they met again soon after and Tupac apologized and she gave in and gave him her phone number. Soon enough, Tupac was in love with Kadida, saying to his mother, Afini Shakur, I love her. She's going to be my wife. She's having my children. Tupac was then found guilty and sentenced to jail. Thus, his marriage to Keisha was annulled. After being bailed out of jail by Suge Knight soon after, he rented a house for him and Kadita in Calabasas, California. Later, in her father's autobiography, Kadita said, Tupac was the love of my life. He and I lived together for four months and then he was murdered in Las Vegas in 1996. It was the most horrible thing that ever happened to me. He said she was a spicy one. She always kept him on his toes and we had some beautiful moments and we had really bad ones as well. And even though we were broken up, we did keep in touch. We had spent hours talking and I did love her so much and I still do. Our problems, me not really being around, my wandering eye. I liked to have sex with a lot of women and women are beautiful creatures and I enjoyed the attention a little too much. I slept with a few fans too. They know who they are. And he's winking as he says that. With Kadita, it was different. She was a wife. She was very caring and giving, never took for herself, always for others. I also love her so much. I always will. She's strong, he said. In November 1993, Tupac and two other men were charged in New York with sodomizing a woman in Tupac's hotel room. The woman alleged that after she performed oral sex on Tupac at the public dance floor of the Manhattan nightclub, she went to his hotel room later that day, forced her to perform non-consensual oral sex on each of them, and Tupac was also charged with illegal possession of a firearm as two guns were found in the hotel room. He is so mad about this situation, he hates it. He said if anything in his life could be erased, it would be this. 
He said that this woman just wanted money and fame. And he said he respected women. Now, he does admit he did some shady ass things to women, including slapping a woman. He even yelled and treated a few women like crap. But he never raped a woman. He had sex with a lot of women, and they always consented to everything every single time. He said, guns, yes. How else can I prepare myself for what is about to happen to me? He said, they were there for protection. I totally agree. On December 1st, 1994, Tupac was acquitted of three counts of sodomy and the associated gun charges, but convicted of two counts of first-degree sexual abuse for forcibly touching the woman's buttocks in his hotel room. What a joke. For real. Jurors have said the lack of evidence stymed a sodomy conviction. In February 1995, he was sentenced to 18 months to four and a half years in prison by a judge who declared an act of brutal violence against a helpless woman. Oh, poor woman. Right? Tupac's lawyer characterized the sentence as out of line with the groping conviction and the setting of bail at $3 million as inhumane. Tupac's accusers later filed a civil suit against Tupac seeking $10 million for punitive damages, which was subsequently settled. So basically, he just had to pay out of pocket and give away four and a half years of his life for touching somebody's ass. And that, my friends is systematic racism. He said to me that 10 million was what she was really after. She didn't give a shit about the prison related things. She just wanted the money. And that's all she ever really wanted. She was wanting, she was waiting around for the lawsuit to take care of herself for the rest of her life. He said it was a smart move. Come after a black man and cry wolf and this is what happens. He said this made him real mad, especially since he went to jail over it and it was all a setup. Which I would be very mad as well, and I do not blame him. Tupac reportedly believed his accuser was connected to and had sexual relations with Agnet and James Rosemond behind his 1994 Quad Studio shooting. He said he did think that at the time because it was so calculated, but he doesn't believe she was involved there with the shootings. Tupac began serving his prison sentence on sexual abuse charges inside Clinton Correctional Facility on February 14, 1995. He also spent a few months recuperating at Rikers Island. While in prison, he began reading again, which he was unable to do as his career progressed due to his marijuana and alcohol habits. While in prison, Tupac exchanged letters with Jim Carrey, Freddie Fox, Madonna, Tony Danza, Treach, and Salt of the group Salt and Peppa, among others. He was also visited by Al Sharpton, who helped Tupac get released from solitary confinement. Yeah, he said they all did this because they knew that this was bullshit and he didn't do anything wrong. They just wanted to help keep his head up. He had been treated really badly in prison. He said that this was the worst, scariest place on earth and he didn't belong there. He got himself caught up in some real shit. He said it's too much, and this is where a lot of people become monsters, including him. I feel like I got to know a deeper side of Tupac, and I know there is so much more that we'll be covering in part two. I have a question for him before we finish part one. Since he has passed on, a lot has changed, and in his song Changes, this line still sends chills. Every time I hear it, we ain't ready to see a black president. How does he feel about Obama? He said he loved it. He said that it caused a bit of an uproar and one day something bigger will come. But he said he thinks you're pretty chill. <laughs> he said like 
he wants to half hug you, grab you, do a mad respect thing. He also knows your sister was one of his biggest friends and he digs it. He loves checking in on his fans. He said the background stuff was shit, but getting on stage, no matter what size and stepping in front of people and doing this thing made him really happy. And that's why he kept on. He loved, loved, loved to perform. And he loves that his voice stands out against many. That is so true. Me and my sister are big fans. My sister is probably an even bigger fan than I am. She used to go around telling every single person in school that Tupac was her father. <laughs> Makes sense why he heard her, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for that, Liz. This was one of my favorite ones to date, and we need to do this much more with celebrities that have died. I agree. Until next time, guys, stay freaked out.